This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast. We are back with another live edition of the podcast. And Liverpool are also back in action this weekend too, as the Reds take on Manchester City in the early kickoff on Saturday. I'm your host, Patrick Smith, and I'm sure I speak for all of you Liverpool fans when I say I'm glad to see the back for almost three weeks of an international break. We can now get talking about actual matches on a podcast once again. Well, alongside me to do that, we are joined by Chief LFC writer from the Flacco, Ian Doyle. Doyle, are you looking forward to returning to a stadium? <clears throat> Really, no. I was quite. I've just had a week off, so I was quite happy with no football, and it did mean that there was no Liverpool defeats for two and a half weeks. So, all in all, it's quite a positive little break. Yeah, well, I mean, it's quite a nice welcome break, but then I suppose it could be a pretty negative week or so, or it could be a very positive one. All will be revealed over the course of the next ten days. We've also got Echo Liverpool FC writer Theo Squires alongside us. Theo, how was your international break? I worked through it, so mine was quite busy. I'm not sure why you're saying you don't like it and there are no matches. You're Welsh. You loved it. I you did, a nice yeah. <laughs> Gareth Bale, nice little draw in Croatia. You're having the time of your life, mate. I know. It's a very, very nice international break for Wales fans, the and Croatia. Special, special one. <laughs> anyway, rolling off the panel, as ever, we've got Rich Garnet too. Rich, you're strange to go on holiday after the international break. You were just telling us off air, so maybe the international break was on where you were working as well. That's it. Yeah, I didn't really. Uh, they didn't really tie the international break in very well with the Easter school holidays. So uh, I'm going to celebrate the return of Premier League football by disappearing for six days. Uh, but I should, should just about be able to squeeze in the Man City match tomorrow before heading to the airport, and then um, Chelsea. Who knows where I'll be watching that? Hopefully with a nice, a nice tapas and a pint of San Miguel. Yeah, Three points at Stamford Bridge. <laughs> not not jealous at all, mate. I mean, you found how nice a paradise life can be when you're not immersed in football, I suppose. Well, anyway, <laughs> that's who will be joining us today for the pod. Viewers on our Blood Red YouTube channel and the Love Plessy, Love Plecker Facebook page, we are live. So please drop us your thoughts and comments in the sections below and do leave us any questions you have because we'll get to them at the end of the show if we do have time. But, um, Doyle, then let's start with you. Let's start with Luis Diaz, shall we? He's now not only been allowed outside, he's been allowed to mingle with his teammates. Very welcome return to Liverpool training at a tick, tricky time. A huge boost to them, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but he's not playing against Man City. Klopp's basically said that he's not ready. So he will be back. Possibly Chelsea, but reality is more likely to be the Arsenal game. Because obviously Chelsea is uh, Tuesday, isn't it? Tuesday evening. So that's probably come a bit too soon as well. But yeah, it's still a, a boost for Liverpool to have him around. They've missed him. He's probably the best outfield player at the start of the season until he got injured. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's going to be a strange one, really, when he comes back, because we've got no idea how they're all going to perform, because Gakpo's never been there before with Diaz. We've seen him with... Uh, with, with Actually, it was uh, Salah, Firmino, and Diaz was the most profitable front three at the start of the season, but obviously Firmino's going to be going. Nunes is now obviously part of the, the uh, first choice 11, I'd say, anyway, at the moment, certainly on, on form, and he, he's going to be fit as well. He's overcome his cut ankle that he suffered against Real Madrid in the last game. It seems about a month ago, something stupid like that. But yeah, Diaz being back. Bonus also, uh, Jurgen Klopp mentioned about Thiago. He's the only other senior player that's out for any kind of signif- with any significant injury. Uh, obviously, Naby Keita's out at the moment, but it, it doesn't seem as though, well, let's be honest, it doesn't seem as though he's often injured, even though he, he isn't all the time. But he's not somebody at Liverpool. Perhaps are, are looking to use that much of the closing weeks of the season, given the fact that 
when he played against Crystal Palace, didn't have a great game, got subbed at half-time. I don't think he's played since then. Um, but yeah, Thiago, he's had a hip problem. He's been out, I think it's nine games, eight or nine games, and he's going to be back. Uh, Klopp said hopefully full training, or at least team training, parts of next week. So again, Arsenal's probably too soon for him. You're looking at the game after that, which is Leeds. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a big week for Liverpool. We've, you know, it's been mentioned quite a few times on this podcast. Klopp said it straight after the game against Real Madrid. He said it's going to be def- probably a def- defining week for them. Um, I'm not entirely sure that's true, to be honest, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get on to that at some point. But after City on Saturday, said Chelsea on Sunday, uh, on Tuesday, and then it's Arsenal the following Sunday. So, yeah, getting Diaz back, that was a big boost, probably just for the spirits of the players as well. You know, they'll have seen him around. They'll have seen him going, you know, having suffered his setback in Dubai when he thought he was going to be back. You know, they are human beings and he's been there for more than a year now. So they'll know him as a person. So they'll have been affected in the sense that, you know, every player, almost every player suffers a bad injury during their career. Certainly they have spells on the sidelines. And if you suffer a setback the way that he did, it's going to affect you. So he'll be absolutely ruined to go when he comes back. But as Klopp said, that's not going to be Man City on, uh, on Saturday. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you mentioned the point there that Klopp said it could be a decisive week. It could be a decisive week if they come out of the matches with five or six points. It could not be decisive if they don't. I think that's the way we'll take it. Um, Theo, let's stay talking about Luis Diaz then. We went to Liverpool's open training session together, had a Real Madrid game, saw him training on his own. It's really nice to see him back, isn't it? But obviously, they're not going to rush him back from injury. They made that mistake in the pre-season camp in Dubai. He's not even trained today, so they you know, clearly being much more cautious with it this time. I mean, when do you realistically think that Liverpool will start using him again? Do you think it could, you know, be the end of May we see Diaz in the Liverpool shirt again? Or are you expecting it to see him as already said in those matches against Leeds? And I think it's Forest after Leeds, isn't it? I think you've been a bit harsh saying that they rushed him back in Dubai. That was just, uh, his knee wasn't right, was it? Like they thought they didn't need surgery and then, oh, actually, it's still not quite right. It wasn't as though they rushed him back. When you've got um, however many weeks to work him back carefully, just happen to be, yeah, you're not fully healed. There's something worse going on here, so we'll need to go and do under the surgery, under the knife. But um, he's been working his way back for a while now, hasn't he? Like when he first had the surgery, he was aiming to be back for the Bernabeu. And obviously, that, that was too soon for him. But he's been training on his own for a while. He's done a bit of team training with the, the youngsters in the international break. You know, he's done a few sessions this week. Realistically, you're expecting to see him second half of April, maybe you see it for like the first start or some more frequent substitute appearances. Like uh, Jota, that was a lengthy layoff. Firmino was a pretty lengthy layoff in the end. They took their time to like bed them back in, didn't they? And there was a few substitute appearances and then they could really unleash them properly. So it's just got to see how they react game by game. Like It's probably just as well you're not ready for a Man City if you're Luis Diaz because this is such a big week for Liverpool, that this pressure on them is so huge. You don't want him to have to have that strain of going again and again and again and what could be like the three most intense fixtures left in their season. But it is something where they can manage it more carefully now and then just see how it goes. Me and Doyle have both said on this podcast before, you were not seeing the best of Lewis Diaz again until next season where he's had the full pre-season. But you're hoping that he can come in and have a bit of an impact get a few important contributions that can help get Liverpool some valuable points for this top four charge. Uh, but he certainly gives some options in the attacking third again. I'm sure we'll get onto it later in this podcast. They don't seem to have as many options in midfield at the moment. So it's quite nice that it's a full quota of forwards. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, what's a strange position having these many attackers? It's a problem and a, a bridge that will have that to cross this season. I mean, Rich, you know, those five attackers are fully fit now. One of them is Darwin Nunes. He didn't take part in Uruguay's international break, withdrew from the squad with a cut ankle, as Dolly was mentioning, that he sustained against Real Madrid. I mean, I'm not sure how serious that injury actually was because, you know, he trained this week for Liverpool and seems to be pretty fine heading into the match with City. But I mean, you know, Nunes himself is a very much welcome return to training, Rich, given he was technically injured. Now, what are they going to do with the attack on Saturday? Because there is actually now a little bit of a headache, isn't there? You select, I'm sure we'll touch on it in our team select. But is Nunes one that you'd be starting at the weekend? If he's fit to play, yeah, definitely start him. And I, I don't think it's um, quite as big a headache as it might appear. Yes, he's got uh, you know potentially five or so many uh, players to choose from. But the when um, Firmino and Jota have come in, I don't think um, we've necessarily seen the uh, necessary uplift in uh, uh, attack and return as yet this season. Um, well, certainly, certainly not with Jota. He's obviously still struggling to get a goal. Uh, and Nunes has looked like more like the main man, hasn't he? As he's gone on week on week, he's uh, settled more into his role within the side. Has showed his adaptability to play down the middle or wide. And at the moment, it seems to be that Klopp seems to prefer him wider with with Cody Gakpo. Gakpo, God, still saying that. Um, um, playing in a more central role, presumably, because he thinks he's a little bit better at holding the ball up there. But, uh, yeah, Nunes is a firecracker, isn't he? And I, I would expect him to play against City. As long as as long as long that cut's not nothing too severe, um, I, I would expect to see him uh, walking out the Etihad tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely agree. I mean, you know, it's a welcome return from injury, but I'm hesitant to use the word return from injury. But um, Dolly, someone else Sunday Klopp was talking about today in his press conference being injured, was Navi Keita. He's picked up yet another injury, this time on sustained on the international break. Do you think now is the point, Dolly, where they sort of cut ties with Navi Keita and, you know, fully phase him out of the squad? Because these injury problems are persisting and this season has surely been the worst in his Liverpool career as terms as injury records go. Well, he's, he's leaving at the end of the season anyway. They've only got 12 games left. And so if he's, if he's out, I don't know, let's just have a, have a guess at six. And he's only got six games left. So... Klopp's always said that he'll always use people, players, if he can, if he feels they're still committed to the club. And there's not been any suggestion that Cater isn't. So, no real reason not to use him if he's fit. But if you go in a form, as I said before, Crystal Palace away, came off at half-time. Don't think he's played since then. Not been involved. <clears throat> so, no, I can't really see, unless there's some more injuries in midfield, I can't really see there being any kind of opening for him. Well, that's not to say that he might not get some minutes towards the end of the season when he fits, if he is fit again ever for Liverpool. Yeah, I mean, it's just yet another injury problem for Naby Keita. I mean, Theo Squires, you're someone who loves talking about Naby Keita on the Bad podcast. I mean, it's just the latest problem with the long line of injury issues. For him, isn't it? I mean, are you fully convinced, Matthew, that they are going to let him go at the end of the season? Was that already pretty much concrete? Um, contract talks haven't really progressed as far. And when he's having arguably the worst season of his Liverpool career, there's been no evidence there to give him a new contract. Uh, I hope in the nicest possible way not to see him in a Liverpool shirt again, just because by the time he's back, we're looking at May, two, three weeks left of the season. You're hoping that your midfield options that are currently available, they've played their way into a bit of form and there's a settled three there. And you've got players who are a little bit on the fringes, like say at Curtis Jones, it's a big kick to him 
if oh Naby Keita comes in and he's ahead of you in the pecking order, you want to be looking at the players that are actually part of the club's future. Now, when Keita was joined, you'd think he was going to be this linchpin for Liverpool in midfield for however many years, and it's just not worked out for him. It's one we've addressed it a number of times, why with the injuries and the expectations on him, why it's not just worked out. And as a squad option, he's had his moments, but and then he gets these injuries and you can't rely on him. Liverpool needs a bit of rhythm. They need some consistency. They need some substance to the performances so they can stop doing a thrashing United one week, getting beaten by Bournemouth the next. You need your players you can rely on. And Naby Keita isn't that anymore. Like he had the season of his life last year, and that came out of the back of uh, not playing after being subbed before um, half-time against Real Madrid. But you wouldn't expect him to have a, a mini-revival now before the end of the season. It's just been a very frustrating period for him, very frustrating period for Liverpool. There was so much hype and expectation with his arrival. Big fee, you're waiting a year for him. Uh, you just hope that he can go wherever and put these injury issues behind him somewhere else because he didn't have them really at Leipzig. But yeah, it's just not worked out as well as both parties would have wanted. And look what to look to the future. Naby Keita isn't part of that. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I mean, it's a very nice foot in this year as well. And I completely agree with you there. You can just sort of nicely phase them out now as well. The contract is expiring. I mean, it's the ideal situation there. But um, Rich, another midfielder, he will shortly be returning from injuries, Thiago Arcantara. I mean, Thiago is another player this season has had so many injury problems, hasn't he? Yet again, you know, over the international break, he's not featured, he's not ready to come back yet. Is he one that potentially with 12 months left on his contract from the summer you'd look at phasing out potentially next year? Would you maybe even try and cash in on him this summer if you can? Um, we've kind of gone over this one before, haven't we? Um, potentially, potentially, I think he's someone you could maybe move on. I think it, I think it was argued that you wouldn't necessarily get a great fee. For, for Thiago now because of his age and, and, and probably his injury record as well. Um, and, and that suggests that maybe you should hold on to him. A uh, good experienced player who can who can control the ball, control the midfield um, and stay until his contract expires and then, then just part ways at that point. I don't, certainly don't see him getting a new contract. I wouldn't, wouldn't have thought that would happen. Um, but well, it just depends on, on how many... They decide to bring in uh, in the summer, is it really, doesn't it? Because if you if you just end up getting, let's say for example, you get Jude Bellingham uh, on one more, is that enough? I'm not really sure. I think they probably need more than that, to be honest with you. But you, you don't want to ship out too many experienced players unnecessarily, especially when you've got others going, such as um, Oxley Chamberlain and, and, and Naby Keita, almost certain to leave, and, and the situation with James Milner doesn't. Appear, appear particularly clear at the moment. We still don't know whether he will actually get a new deal or not. But even if he does, he's not going to be a first choice. Is he? He's just going to be there uh, as cover, really, and as an experience around the team. So um, maybe Thiago w- will stay um, just purely because of, of of his experience and and being able to to sort of boss that midfield. But he's obviously not the legs that Liverpool are going to need and. If they can get the right players in around them, then yeah, it, it, it'll be fine. But um, yeah, it, it's more than likely just just to see how his current deal. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I mean, it's a really difficult situation, isn't it? Because he's a player that I'm sure you know everyone loves and admires, but he's not exactly been effective for Liverpool over the past twelve months. In some situations, in the situation Liverpool are in, 
like this season where they are struggling. He's not the sort of player you need, I think, is he really, for that one. I mean, Thorley, what's your take on it? Because obviously, Jürgen Klopp today said in this press conference that they are in talks with some players. Things are going well for them as goes their summer recruitment. It's what we we're basically trying to waffle about in the podcast over the past two weeks. So it's nice for Klopp to put it into some words. I mean, as for the midfield strategy, Dolly, would you be looking to maybe sell on some of the midfielders that do have shorter contracts, such as Thiago, this summer? Why on earth would you do that? You're already losing three. You've got Milner and Oxley Chamberlain and Cater. Some cash and wages, maybe. They don't want to get out any money in terms of transfers. And they've just got rid of, they're going to get rid of probably two, possibly three players from the wages anyway. So I don't see any point in doing that. I also take except slight exception. We've done this before where I actually think he's been half decent over the past 12 months when he's been fit. The only problem is that he's just not fit, often enough. And that's just what it's like for some players. Going back to what Fear was saying about Cater, you do wonder whether Cater and Thiago that the step up in terms of intensity from the German league to the Premier League has not quite suited them. And that's fine. That's fair enough. You only find that out when you actually play in it. You can't really blame anybody for that. And they looked gone through. I mean, I actually think Thiago's adapted all right to it in the end. I think he's actually got himself stuck in and and put himself about. I think Cater possibly less so, but then he was never really a kind of player who was supposed to do that. He was a player who was supposed to add. In some ways, he was supposed to do what Thiago was brought to do. And as I've said loads of times before, it's very, very rare that you see the third of them in the same team. They often just replaced each other, subbed each other, rotated out. So that's what they were there for. Unfortunately, it's just not worked as well as you would have expected. But if you're Naby Keita, you turn around and say, well, hang on, you signed me in 2018. What have you won since then? And he, <laughs> they've won everything. So He's played in know, the big I, games as well. Yeah, exactly. And he, plays, and, he, and he played in the Club World Cup final. Would have played in the Champions League final if he'd not been injured, obviously. You know, he did he did play a part in when they won the league in 2020. Played in certainly appeared in did he play in he, was, he came well he started the League Cup final because Thiago got injured. And he came on at, up in the Champions League final and FA Cup final did he start? He certainly yeah. started the semi final. He did, didn't so. he? Because Fabinho well, we wasn't played against playing, Villarreal in right, the yeah. semis of the Champions League played well against them too. You exactly. Know. Exactly. So I saw uh, one of our colleagues, uh, Charlotte Coates, uh, on Twitter asked a question basically saying, is he the worst signing under the Klopp's regime? Uh, I'll have a think on this one. I think no, right? No, but I'm trying to think of another signing that's actually been somewhat less effective. So we are having this conversation. I'll start with you, Pat. Who do you think's been, do you think Kate has been the worst signing? No, he's definitely not been the worst signing, but I'm trying to think who has been the worst under Klopp. I mean, there haven't been many bad ones, have there? If what, sorry? If they're it depends how you assess it. If it's on price tag, it's Cater. If it's on genuine like ability as a player, there are some lesser ones that we're not going to throw under the bus. That's Carius is up there as one who's cost you the big thing, isn't he? He's cost you a Champions League. But that's still not a bad ratio if you're thinking Carius, Cater, and then some of the lesser players who just it hasn't taken like Stephen Colker, for example. He's one of the lesser ones who's just not done anything on his brew spell, something like that. It was a low There's not many. Did he sign Marco Gorich? Was he there before? No, he was his first signing. First signing, yeah. And they made so... a, and they made money off him. So they're not going to make so that's, many, that's any money told. off. Gator. They're not going to make any money off Gator. I think with Gruich, got to bear in mind when he was signed, the kind of team Liverpool were to the time, the kind of team that when he then became available, had had a couple of loans that they moved on from him. And I think he kind of realised that himself anyway. It'd have been yeah. a great number six if they were still a Europa League team. 
I mean, just just a question I thought of there. Sorry to interrupt you. I mean, you know, I've sort of thought this on the spot. I mean, I mean, I didn't really want to talk about Jude Bellingham in this podcast, but you've mentioned there two Bundesliga centre midfielders that Liverpool have signed. That were we did very, this on Monday. Sorry, motivated. Oh, did you? Have yeah, I missed also, this one? Yeah, also, <laughs> he plays for England. He plays for England, and he's been brought up in English football anyway, so it kind of was a good idea. He's been the Championship. Yeah, the Championship's even more physical than the Premier League. So, yeah. uh, if we Rich hasn't given his uh, worst signing. I think we can't let him off the hook. Um, I was having a lot, having a lot just to check dates and stuff. There, it was um, was it uh, Ben Davis? Yeah, but, yeah. Again, but yeah. wasn't much money. Wasn't much. Oh, money. No, but I mean, it was that was just a waste of time, wasn't it? Not more so than his time. Oh, if we're doing uh, waste of times, Artemelo. Well, that was, he was going to be my number one, and then Davis popped into my head. Oh, is that so, the back as well? Um, I, I, dare say, I dare say Artur's on bigger wages than uh, Davis ever was. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, so uh, Artur got injured, didn't he? Not his fault. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he hasn't. That, that's not our fault either. I think it's the event board, you know, Crazy you know, wages. According to transfer market, uh, up to uh, the end of last year, Naby Caters had 27 separate absences through. Uh, Injuries or illness. Now, if you didn't have any of them, you might have been brilliant. So, um, you know, it's just one of them. The availability. It, 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 sometimes it's 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 underrated, isn't it? Availability. You can be the best player in the world, but if you're always injured, there's not much use to you, is there? Now, you take someone like Suarez. He was like one of the best players in the world, but was never injured. So he was the complete opposite. And those those players, they're just worth the weight in gold, aren't they? As long as you're not being suspended for you know biting people and other things. Um, but yeah, just Dave. I think, yeah, Davis or Mio. Yeah, take your pick. <laughs> we can all it's something that the recruitment team look at, isn't it? Like the availability record of the players. Like, like, like we said, Caters wasn't bad before he came to Liverpool, and there've been others that they haven't had masses of injuries before they came to Liverpool. And then maybe it is the Premier League's more intense, or Klopp's demands are more intense, and it just takes out of them. Like you get one injury, and then you get another, and it starts to stack up. Thiago had a bit of a patchy injury record, so it's not really a surprise to see him pick up the knocks here and there. You sort of forgive him for that. Uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain, he, he had a patchy injury record at times for Arsenal as well, but there have been others where like, they certainly wouldn't have expected them to suddenly be struck down. Like Joel Matip, I think his availability at Schalke was pretty good before he came to Liverpool too. Just sometimes that's what happens. Maybe the lesson here is it's always the players from the Bundesliga. They're not quite used to the intensity. Hopefully... Uh, it's something that they can get out of the system if they do get a Jude Bellingham. But as Doyle said, he's had his time with England, he's had his time with Birmingham in the Championship. Uh, just one of those things, isn't it? When you get a few injuries, it starts to take its toll. And then there's the mental side as well, which we saw with a Daniel Sturridge, for example. You always want it to be 100% right because you're fearing that next setback and then the next setback. Just injuries, part and parcel of the game. Yeah, I can see that in a certain publication tomorrow. Theo Squires of the Liverpool Echo advises against Jude Bellingham signing. Maybe that'll be a tweet that comes up there. But, um, let's not twist your words and let's get back on track then, shall we, with the podcast. I mean, it's very interesting stuff. And I think they'll be, you know, they obviously are one of the best recruitment teams in the world. They don't tend to sign injury prone players. It can just happen. And playing in that young club midfield, you know, is physically demanding. It does take its toll. And I think it can take years off central midfielders. You know, career longevity, unfortunately, that's part and parcel of playing in that Gagan Press system. But Dolly, let's come back to you then and preview Man City. You are going to be there at the Etihad, as I mentioned before, finally back in a stadium. 
Now, are you looking forward to this one or are you apprehensive of playing arguably, or not the currently the best team in the league, but one of the best teams, we say, in Europe? Your man City had great food in the press box. I'm rather hoping they've got us a good breakfast and working the entire day around that, so they better not let me down. Um, Disappointed us last year. It was fish and chips last year. Was it? Was it? Breakfast. <sighs> For breakfast, I can't... <laughs> no, no, I can't be doing with that. Um, wasn't it a Sunday kickoff the year last year? The game? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Oh. I think so. I'll have to check whilst you're talking. You me in a bad mood. Yeah, it was a Sunday four o'clock last year at the Etihad, wasn't it? Was it? No, well, that's okay then. Anyway, yeah, I mean, City. I mean, funny enough, I was looking at City's... Uh, City. I played Liverpool three times this season, got beat. They played uh, United, won and lost. They played Tottenham, they won and lost. And they played and um, somebody else. I think, well, and they played Newcastle and Arsenal. The only two teams that they've actually got a better record in the top six. So it's like it's a strange one because I think Liverpool. Uh, you mentioned in the press conference. I never checked. I haven't checked this out yet. But I think Liverpool have got the best record out of the top six between games between each other. And Wouldn't so surprise me. It was put to Klopp that you know, even when they've lost, they got beat by Arsenal, didn't they? Three two, and that was a bit iffy. Uh, they got beat two, only two one at United. They beat Newcastle twice. They beat Tottenham. Uh, and I was going to say, but so before they beat City already this season. So they got they got the and best the worst draw imaginable with Chelsea. Or do we not consider them this year? They're not top six at the moment. It was on about the top six oh. teams at the moment in the table. Oh, we're not doing big six. Uh, Liverpool go to Bournemouth and lose. Forest and lose. Lose at home to Leeds. You know, get tonked at Wolves and you know stuff like that. Stupid scorelines, but kind of sums up where the team is at the moment. But uh, I think what was it Pep said? Today, so Liverpool can beat anybody, and and they can. So, in that sense, great. But then you look at Liverpool's record at uh, Man City in the league. I think they haven't won in the last six since the the five, uh, sorry, the four-one game. And I know they won there in the Champions League, but that was a two-legged game, and technically, it's not. You know, it's not quite a proper game as such, if that makes any sense. Anybody who's watched European football, two-legged games will know what I'm talking about there. Uh, and and of course, the last time they played each other was back in. Uh, December, they came back from another international break, the World Cup. First game back was at Man City and they got beat 3-2 there in the uh, in the League Cup. Felt like a strange friendly, there. didn't it? Yeah, slightly different teams there, but still a decent game. I mean, Klopp said today that he think the only way Liverpool can win is you can't just, the inference was you can't just sit back against Man City, you've got to go for it. And City have had some iffy results at home this season. You know, they, um, they got away with the one against Tottenham, which I mentioned. Were they 2-0 down? They were about 4 2 or something like that. They were, they were they? Tindall, Dan, yeah. Yeah. Um, Everton got a point there. Brentford won. Lost to Brentford, didn't they? Yeah, Brentford won 2 1. Um, I'm sure there's another one in there, some kind of strange result that happened not, not that long ago. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're not at the very best. And as I pointed out before, their record against the teams around them isn't particularly brilliant. So, that's hope for Liverpool. And I think, yeah, I do wonder that sometimes if, if you have a bit of a go at City, whether you can get a bit of joy. And that's probably why they've not done particularly well against the teams around them, because they're more likely to do that. And the fact that the... Uh, I, I think even City know that as well. It's actually, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's a big game for Liverpool, but it's a bigger game for Man City, because they can't afford to drop any more points up against Arsenal. In the, in the, and you're going to have that weird situation now where in successive weeks, the other championship contender is just hoping for Liverpool to get something out of it. Whereas... In all the seasons past, they'd be absolutely desperate for them not to get anything from any of the games. So I don't think Liverpool will be too happy to be in a position where other teams want them to give do them favours. Um, but I think all Liverpool can concentrate on is, is doing their own job and because their only way they're going to finish in the top four is if they 
you know, they, they do the job themselves. They're not going to be able to rely on, on other teams to to help them get out of it. Klopp said it. We've just got to win games, and while it won't be easy at Man City, you know, there's no point going there with any sense of trepidation, even if it might be fish and chips, um, because the <laughs> there are three points. It's irrelevant. To, it's irrelevant to who it's against. They just have to get them, and they've got to get. I mean, I did a piece during the international break of I think it was. History suggests they've got to get 26 points from the last 36 games. Well, imagine if they got that, they're probably going down. Uh, 26 points from the last 36 available. And when they finished third in 2021, that's exactly what they got over the last 12 games. So kind of the standard's been set there. Obviously, they finished third then. You'll need to finish fourth. I think we're pretty sure Arsenal, City and United are going to finish in the top three. So wait and see. And the interesting thing for Liverpool, of course, is Team in fourth, Tottenham, just sat the manager. No, he has to be sacked, basically, let's be honest. Yeah. The, the director of football has been banned from any football-related activities for a while. And, you know, we, what was it for Charles? So that's to come out uh, yesterday or today and say there's been no mutiny in the dressing room. So things aren't particularly great there. They haven't got they still haven't got a manager, have they? I, don't, I know they only play until Monday, but, you know, that that's, that's hardly ideal for a team that's in a good position in fourth. And if you look at Newcastle, I couldn't get over this when I checked it before. Newcastle have only scored seven goals in the Premier League since Boxing Day, which is ridiculous, really. And, and okay, I know f- and four of them came in the last two games against Forest and Wolves, and the winners, both winners, came late on. And I think that if Newcastle can't address the fact that they can't score enough, they might drop points. And then you've got Brentford and you've got Brighton, who have done really well to get where they are this season. I mean, I've mentioned before how much I love watching Brighton play. But they probably don't have the squad depth and they don't have the experience, although they don't have the expectation that perhaps the others do. So They'll point... go all in for the FA Cup, won't they? Yeah, Brian? exactly, yeah. So my point is, is that all of those teams have got something that's possibly going to count against them in the past, in the, in the last, what was it, 50, 58 days of the, of the season. So Liverpool just have to make the most of what they've got because they have to be in a position where they can capitalise on these other teams falling over, which some of them, by definition, will do anyway. Because... They don't want to get to the end of the season, Southampton away, and be thinking, oh, if we hadn't done this, if we hadn't done that. Still 12 games to go, third of a season. Get on with it. Start with Man City on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, plenty of very, very good points there. I mean, the 26 and 36 games is what, 36 points, sorry, I don't want you to deny. I mean, it's realistic, and also they've done it before, you know, the other teams like Hansen dropping points. I think Newcastle, I just don't see them changing that goal-scoring form. They don't seem to have anything they can change in their squad but I think they've Eddie has tried things obviously in the past couple of games they have started scoring more so maybe they'll pose a problem but yeah Spurs are in just an absolute mess at the moment The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo um, So yeah let's talk then about Man City again the main talking point for Liverpool's opposition this weekend is that they'll be without Erling Haaland now he was Pulled out from what well, he pulled out himself from Norway's international squad with an injury. He hasn't trained this week until well, I think he's training today, apparently, for the first time. And that's when Guardiola is going to assess whether he's fit or not. Guardiola is very ominous about it in his press conference today, saying that the doctors will decide and the player will decide if he wants to play tomorrow. Now, firstly, do you think Haaland will play tomorrow, Theo? And if he doesn't play, what problems do you think that could pose for Liverpool? You know, Haalandless City isn't actually any easier task, really, is it? Um, you'd imagine it's mind games at this point, and if he trains, he's going to be fit to play. But then it is how fresh is he? Like how serious was the issue that kept him out of international duty? Whether it's one where you'd be better putting him on the bench, bringing him on for half hour or something. Like like Doyle said, 
City need to win this almost more than Liverpool. Like Liverpool need the points, but they've got this longer 12 matches to make up, whereas City, it does feel like you need these now. You need to make up that gap on Arsenal now. You need to put the pressure on Arsenal now to make them crumble in a title race, whereas Liverpool are playing more of a, a long game with it here. Uh, so you'd expect him to play because he just seems to be a machine, doesn't he? Uh, he scored so many goals and he's had a few injuries and he still comes on and he still scores goals. But at the same time, if he's you play him against Liverpool and then he picks up another injury and he's out for a few weeks, that's an issue. It's an issue for most teams. Man City have still got a very strong squad. And Klopp said in the press conference, no Haaland doesn't make them weaker. It just makes them different. Like They've still got a World Cup winner who would be then starting up front. They've still got Riyad Mahrez, Jack Grealish. It's a matter of marking before. Julian Alvarez, you know, it's not exactly yeah. any easy, is it? But then, at the same time, Liverpool shouldn't be worrying about who City are going to be starting. Like, you do your preparation, you do your game plan, you look at the players' weaknesses and strengths. But, as Guardiola said, Liverpool can beat anyone on the day. If they're on top of it, they can win. Like, we've seen them dismantle United at Anfield, we've seen them beat Man City at Anfield. They're at their best. They can feel confident. And it's quite nice going into this game where it's not as stressy for Liverpool because it's not, oh my God, if we drop points here, the title's over. It hasn't got that pressure on it to the same extent. So they can be a little bit more relaxed. No one's necessarily expecting them to win, but then it's a game they can get up for and they know what will happen if they go on a run and it could be the start of momentum. But then it's a big week. It's a Champions League week without the Champions League football. Uh, They've got some big games themselves. Doesn't matter who say they've got up front, still gonna be a threat. Liverpool just got to make sure that they get as little of the ball as possible, whoever is in that number nine position. Yeah, I mean, as Dolly said, Liverpool need to focus on themselves. And I think we all know that they will be just doing exactly that to get those 26 points, maybe 26, 28 points they need from those 36 points available. I mean, Rich, you know, another player who's missing from Man City, maybe could be even more of a miss for him is Phil Foden. He's obviously had appendicitis, I think, had a big operation for that, so he's definitely ruled out of this one. I mean, he's also going to be a big miss for City, isn't he, Rich? He's a player that I'm sure we all admire as opposition fans. Yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know whether I should be more worried about Foden missing or, or Haaland missing, really. It's it's difficult to say, but obviously Liverpool's defence has been stretched at times, and he's the type of player that can, uh, can exploit that. I think Liverpool did a Pretty good job on Haaland at Anfield in the uh, in the reverse fixture earlier in the season. We, you know, we come into that uh, in in unbelievable form, I think, but we managed to keep him quiet. Um, and long may that continue. I've got a sneaky feeling he'll uh, actually play tomorrow, but um, we'll see on that one. But yeah, Foden being out is a is a bonus for Liverpool, and they just need to go there and play with. The attitude that that has brought them success over the last few seasons, but uh, my my fear is is with this team kind of in a period of evolvement, have they got it within them to to actually go to these places and get the results? Now uh, I don't know is the answer. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see tomorrow. I, these these three fixtures that they've got coming up, uh, I've said all along that two uh, sort of two points for a win. Between, or sorry, two points per game average rather. Um, between uh, between now and the end of the season, that took, that gives you twenty four points. So you're just shy of uh, Doyle's magic twenty six, um, which you could you could um, mitigate in, in, with a victory somewhere else within those twelve games. But it, it means they could probably they can afford to slip up in one of these three games that they've got 
between City, Chelsea and Arsenal as far as I'm concerned because they are three tough fixtures for different reasons, particularly with the first two being away. Um, so if, if things don't go as hoped against Man City, I don't think all I don't think it's all all is uh, all is lost. As you say, City have, have actually got to make up a bigger deficit on Arsenal than Liverpool have on Tottenham. So it probably is a bigger game for them in that sense. Um, but if, if the result doesn't go Liverpool's way, as long as they can get what they need against Chelsea and Arsenal, I don't think it'll be a disaster. But the only thing is, obviously, we've had, we've been stewing on two defeats coming into that international break, and you certainly don't want a third consecutive one, do you? I mean, it's, it doesn't seem that long ago we were uh, rejoicing over a, uh, a classic 7-0 win against United, and all that seems to have been... Uh, Forgotten very quickly, unfortunately. So, um, if you want to get back to thinking about victories, then uh, yes, please. Tomorrow would be would be very nice, but uh, possibly not the end of the world if they don't pull it off. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I don't think there's many better places to get back to winning form, is there? And, you know, personally, I think Erling Haaland's just running scared of being pocketed by Virgil van Dijk again. But <laughs> Was also the blinder in that match at Anfield earlier in the season, didn't he? He's just himself returned from injury. You know, he's fully training with the squad again. You never know. Klopp may throw him in as a sort of you know, risky move. But, um, anyway, maybe one of you will pick in your team selectors, which we'll get right into now then, shall we? So we're going to pick our teams for Liverpool to play against Manchester City. Dolly, let's start with you then. Alison Becker will be in goal. Who are you going to go for on the back four? I think Haaland plays for Man City, by the way. There's no chance he's not playing. Um, I don't understand why everybody's getting worked up about it. Um, back for Alisson in goal. Big shout that. Uh, uh, right back, Trent. Centre backs, Canati and Van Dyke, and left back, Andrew Robertson of Scotland. Yeah, Canati playing pretty well by all accounts. What I've seen for France during the international break. Theo, you're back for. Yeah, it's the same. Um, in the past, mate, you normally put like Joe Gomez in for this instead of Trent, but those days are long gone. Trent, even though he's not been in the best form. What an opportunity for him to, uh, I suppose, silence his doubters and uh, make Gareth Southgate look a bit silly for leaving him out of the England squad recently. Yeah, I'm really happy to see that because it's a baffling decision yet again for Mr Southgate, leaving what I would call England's best right-back, I think, out of the side. I mean, Rich, I'm going to presume that your back four is unchanged. We'll talk us through it anyway. And if you want to start by talking through midfield as well. Yeah, back four is the same, as, as you would expect. Uh, Virgil van Dijk took a bit of heat, didn't he, this week off some... Mm. Uh, ex-Holland players, so he, he might want to shut them up, uh, potentially, um, which might be uh, uh, might work very much in Liverpool's favour, so so we'll see about that. Midfield, um, I'm trying to forget about these last two defeats, which uh, takes you back further to that 7-0 against United. I think the midfield for that one was Fabinho, Elliot and Henderson, so providing everyone's fit, that's what I go with. Yeah, in front of you, so you are going with the three then, Rich. I mean, Doyle, who are you going to go for then in your midfield? Are you going to go with a three or a two? I mean, the options are pretty thin on the ground at the moment once again, aren't they? You're on mute, Doyle. Yep, I'm mute there. Sorry, everybody. Uh, that was really insightful as well. It was, wasn't it? I, was, I repeat it again. I forgot. Uh, Curtis Jones had a good game. Friends on 21s. So... You know, everyone forgets about him. Um, he came on against United at the end. I mean, I don't know, he's nowhere near the first team starting 11, is he? Let's be honest. Um, did he start two. in the, the City 2 all last year at Anfield? Because he got the assistant for Salah's Worldy. Yes, he did, yeah. 
so that was at home and a very long time ago. Um, Henderson and Fabinho, do you play, play them as a two? Do you play them as a two? I think yes. I'm going to play them as a two. Two. Yeah. Love that, Theo. How about your midfield? Are you going to go with a two or a three? And then if you want to carry on into your attack as well. Uh, it's a three. I know he's done a two at the Etihad before, but it's a three. I think I'm with Rich. Choose the same one that played against United. You're a bit limited with your, your other options at the moment. Um, certainly don't expect to see uh, James Milner starting this one, having had the uh, misfortune of that Bernabeu midfield too. So um, hopefully Henderson's really shaken off that illness. Fabinho's back in form maybe after an international break-off. And Elliot can just... Uh, be as what normal boyhood Liverpool fan on the pitch and drag him to victory. Big call, big call. And you attack then, Theo, if you want to carry on into that? Um, Nunes on the left, Gakpo down the middle, Salah on the right. You know, um, Diaz isn't available. Firmino's just a sub these days, isn't he? Um, he does have a decent record against City. And I remember he scored a few at the Etihad, so maybe he can get something off the bench. And obviously, Jota scored at the Etihad last year, the last time he scored for Liverpool. But you go for that first choice three at the moment. I mean, just on that thing, I mean, would you look to bring Jota on maybe at some point? I mean, you know, how long would you No, go I think I'd leave the two attacking options on the bench and just not use them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to create some podcast content here, Theo. Come on. Um, yeah. Two got five substitutions. It was always going to happen, wasn't it? It was always going <laughs> to Once again, me with the rubbish questions. I mean, Rich, how about your attack? Are you going to go for that? Trial and test the front three as well? Um. Yeah, I don't like this idea of two midfield. That petrifies me, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, definitely a three. And, um, yes, Salah on the right, Nunes on the left, and uh, Gakpo down the middle. Hey, uh, learning. Hey. <laughs> just, just before I'm out of here. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking where I can see the goals coming from at, at City from a Liverpool perspective and um, I fancy the Dutchman to uh, maybe stake his claim and uh, deliver something we haven't seen from him yet. There we go. You said it once, Rich, never say it again. You've only heard us say Gakpo ah. 500 times. You've done it now. Box that one there's, no, there's no need, is there? At least Stefan's not playing just to, uh, you know, complicate the issue further. Stevie D. <laughs> yeah. Well, Stevie <laughs> This is a team selector quite literally split down the middle because I'm with Doyle. I'd go with the four attack as well. Doyle, who are you going to choose for your four attackers? Um, Nunes on the left, Gagpo up front, Salah on the right, and Firmino behind. Oh, very interesting. Would you not consider, you know, maybe go... No. Nope. <laughs> I'm, I'm not considering anything else other than what I've just said. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice team selector as ever, everyone. No one's asked me and no one cares, but yeah, I, I personally would go for Gakpo as the 10 and then probably play go for Mina up front, I think, just because he's seen some pretty good scoring record this season. I think I played the other round, but I suppose they could interchange in that one, couldn't they? Um, let's move yes, on. Let's into... the line up with the front four that has never been seen before. That, that's exactly. the answer. Yeah, it can throw him off here. Unchained as a read, you know, could be the one for the end of the season they look to go with. Well, let's move on then to our score predictions for the match, shall we? Theo, you can go first. How do you think this one's going to go? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, if I, oh, I'm just going to sit on the fence and go uh, one or draw. Interesting. Rich, what's your take on it? 
well, I was going to say one all, but I feel uh, compelled to say something different just to uh, keep the uh, viewers on the edge of their seats. So I'm going to go two all. <laughs> Very nice, Doyle. Round us off then with a lovely prediction. Yeah, if it's if it's breakfast, it's one all. But if it's Sailor's <laughs> Fish and Chips, it's two one to City. <laughs> I mean, this has been an absolute exhibition in live podcasting towards the end. I'm going to go for an exhibition result as well. I'm going to go three all. An absolute belter of a game. I reckon both sides just... 3-0! 3 Have yeah. you watched any, any, any Liverpool games this season? Yeah. It's a half-12 kick-off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, yeah, it's a half-12. Uh, and 4-0 City, then if it's a half-12 kick-off. <laughs> <laughs> Judging off our things have gone. By the way, no one's yeah. predicted a Liverpool win at all. That doesn't really uh, bode very well, does no. it? I think okay, that's because we've got one before the Anfield one. I, I went for the 5-0 City and Liverpool won, so you never know. Exactly. Well, after Maybe. seven United, it doesn't seem so ridiculous now, to be honest. But fair enough. Let's create some good karma with our predictions then, shall we? <laughs> anyway, we'll wrap up the podcast there then before I ask any more terrible questions on this one. Of course, we've got plenty of build up ahead of Manchester City against Liverpool tomorrow, everyone. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled across the Blood Red channel and, of course, the Liverpool Echo site and social channels to see all the brilliant content from the guys as they bring you coverage from the stadium. But for now, I've been Patrick Smith, joined by Ian Doyle, Theo Squires and Rich Garnett on the Blood Bread podcast. We'll catch you again soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.